Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post Only Podcast. You're now listening to episode 195 of the show. My name is Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. And Zach is joining us again two weeks in a row here for the Premier League team-by-team breakdown. Uh, what's up with you guys? Sore, banged up. We were out earlier today kicking the ball around the park uh, over on the islands, and I've never really... We've never really used that area to our full advantage, um, and it's really nice. It's like not a lot of people around there. We got some actual good sized goals, the well kept field. So, yeah, definitely something moving forward will be used and taken advantage of, right, Zach? Yeah, most definitely. We just got to get some new balls for next time. Yeah, there you go. he got to he got to wear his Wrexham kit too. Oh, cool. That's nice. Mm-hmm. So. Um... All right, well, I guess we will kind of just jump right into uh, the format we were carrying uh, last week. Uh, Matt was starting us off, you know, going over his points, how we picked the teams this year, our total records, and where we had them originally. And then, you know, it was getting handed off to me and Zach. So uh, with that, I will hand it off to Matt, who will be taking us into Fulham, who placed 10th this season. Yeah, incredible finish for them and how they did and how they fared this year. Great start to the year, but um, at the beginning of the year, we were all a bit doubters there. Predictions wise, Evan was the most faithful. He picked them 16th, so he thought they'd stay up. Zach and I, on the other hand, thought they'd get relegated. I had them finishing 19th, and Zach had them finishing 20th record wise for predictions throughout the year. Zach did the best. He went 22 and 16. And then Evan and I both went 21 and 17. Uh, Stats wise, their top scorer was uh, Alexander Mitrovic with 14, even though he missed like 10 games, eight of them due to an unfortunate ban that uh, went against him in the FA Cup match against United, for those that forgot. Uh, Right behind him, massive drop off in Carlos Vinicius and Willian tied with five, and then three players with four. Assists, Andreas Pereira with six, Tete and, and uh, William with five, and then Harrison Reed with four. Biggest signings they had was Paulinha for 20 mil. Talks of him potentially uh, being rumored to leave, but I don't see that happening. Issa Diop from West Ham for around 18. As for mentioned, Andreas Pereira, around 10. And then William, early in the year, they got on a free uh, Departure-wise, Anguissa for 16 mil left, and Fabio Carvalho for 6 mil to Liverpool. Yep. Um, big year for them. A lot of surprises. Great system. Uh, right there, slab dab in the middle. For sure. Uh, this, is, this one was kind of a shock, uh, to be honest. I was pretty sure that Fulham would be kind of up and down this season, uh, but I was pleasantly proven wrong. With the players they retained after last season, I thought maybe they'd have enough firepower in the striker position and maybe at the back, but the rest of it seemed kind of suspect, and I I honestly feel that I was wrong. This team, in my opinion, outperformed every standard I would have set for them at the beginning of the season, Um, and this was their first top-half finish in 11 years. I would imagine uh, it would give enough hope to the fans that they may stop considering themselves a yo-yo club, and I'd hope that's the case. Uh, And then Mitrovic, he was the number one guy for them this season, despite having to deal with injuries and um, that suspension that Matt already talked about. He had a shocking showing in 2020-2021 when they got promoted and then went back down. 
But last season, he had like 40 goals in the championship. He put together a successful season this year in which he scored 14 league goals despite being unfit and banned uh, for an eight-game stretch late on in the season. Carlos Vinicius, Andreas Pereira, and Willian all stepped up at points this season on the offensive end, while the defense was led by American Warriors Tim Ream and Anthony Robinson. Um, Silva and the lads seemingly laid a strong foundation for Fulham, and it's becoming ever more likely that they continue to build upon that success in hopes that they can become a stalwart in this league for years to come. Season rating, solid, strong, 7 out of 10. Yeah, Zach? Yeah, I agree with you, Evan. Uh, we thought they would be up and down as well. I know they heavily rely on Mitrovic, and they went into a bit of a slump when he got hurt. But uh, the rest of the team stood strong, especially the defense. Like you said, the Americans standing strong as well. The, the injuries definitely hurt them. So I think going forward, they're going to need to make some signings in terms yeah. of depth. But uh, pleasantly surprising season overall. For sure. Even though they finished with a negative record, they still finished smack in the middle. Yeah, funnily enough, the bottom 10 teams all finished with a negative goal differential and the top 10 all finished with a positive goal differential. I think I heard somebody say that hasn't happened in like 20 years or something. Um, But yeah, Marco Silva, I thought, had a great strategy and built a good system to compete in all these games. We saw them right off the bat tied Liverpool at the beginning of the year. They had good results and fights with the Manchester clubs, uh, handled Chelsea, West London rivals, and um, Tottenham as well. They never really let off on them either. So the role players had all solid seasons to maintain that mid-table finish all the way to the end. And moving forward, I think, like Zach and and Evan are saying, retaining these current players is a must, and only adding on to them would be best. And uh, best signing, I would say, would be have to be Paulinho in that middle, if they can somehow keep him. And uh, Willian, if he can keep up his form, he had so much experience and creativity on the wings that uh, should keep them as a relatively dominant team right there in the middle of the table, so... Uh, moving on to another West London club, this team that finished top of all the West London clubs in Brentford in ninth. Controversial team for uh, two of our two of our panelists, I guess you could say, for us here. Yep. Um, where that where we ranked them, another one where we heavily undervalued them. I had them finishing 16th. Evan and Zach had them 14th. Uh, Record wise for predictions week by week. I finished best 17 and 21, Zach 10 and 28, and with the worst record of any team for any of us, Evan with 8 and 30. Um not Jesus. pretty good. Yeah. Ivan Tony, 20 goals top of the team, that followed by Embuemo with 9 and Visa with 7 assists, Embuemo topped it with 8, Jensen 6, Tony 4. All their signings were a lot of youngsters, Lewis Potter being for 19 mil, Aaron Hickey 16 and a half, and Damsgaard for 15. Uh, probably their best signing, though, was Ben Mee on a free, coming from Burnley. James Tarkowski's right-hand man there. He was essential in their success in the back this year. And I believe they the, the guy they loaned in, Kevin Shod, they triggered his buyout clause. So that's another guy uh, for like 20 mil. And uh, the only big departure I listed was Christian Eriksen. They yeah. had him there last season for, for two seasons ago for like six months and then went to United. So that was a big loss for them. Um, some key points I had, or critical moments, I should say, during the year were that they were the only team to win both matches against Man City. 
the second one being the last game of the season, so can't really credit it too much, but still they beat him twice. Ivan Tony's success on the pitch and drama off the pitch. A stubborn defensive team that only improved in the summer transfer window. And then I also had they beat most of the top-tier uh, top teams in a lot of people's eyes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Cool. Um, for Brentford, Ivan Tony and his gambling, uh, obviously a, a huge part of this season. Uh, for for the second season in the Premier League, uh, it turned out, I thought, better than the first. Uh, I don't think a lot of pundits or watchers of the league uh, consider this could be the case, but the Bees finished comfortably in the top half of the table, even ahead of much longer-standing rivals like West Ham and Chelsea. Uh, with Thomas Frank at the helm, Brentford and their extremely cheap but impressive side celebrated gargantuan wins over City, United, and Liverpool along the way. Their goal differential in those games that I just mentioned, City, United, and Liverpool, was 11 goals for, 2 goals against, showing just how impressive Brentford were on the defensive side of the ball when the big teams came to play. The story of the season, besides Holland, City, and Arsenal choking, I guess, was Ivan Toney. Uh, the third highest score in the Prem this season was banned from football following an investigation into some somewhat dodgy gambling behavior. The news, which broke way earlier in the season, didn't really affect Brentford until near the end of the season. And when he went out, Brentford dominated anyway, thanks to Brian Embuemo and Johan Wissa picking up the slack. Without Ivan Tony, they defeated Tottenham 3-1 and City 1-0 on the final day of the season. And this team is just rock solid, and I genuinely think with Tony, they would have been a force fighting for top eight next season. Without him, things are a bit more unclear, but regardless, they overperformed this season and outshot their expectations. Oh, sorry about that. It sounds like a motorcycle just went by. Uh, and Thomas Frank and his boys should absolutely be lauded for it. Season rating, 8 out of 10. Yeah, in terms of predictions, I didn't know how to read these guys. I don't think their form was pretty much all over the place throughout the season, I thought. They had a couple good streaks towards the end. They had a nice string of wins. I just see here they had the most uh, draws along with Newcastle with 14. So I I think that played a big part in in, uh, not being able to read them as well, at least on my end and yours as well, Evan. Yeah. But the those results over the big teams is why is why they finished in the top half here, definitely. Plus twelve goal difference as well is is pretty pretty nice. You know, they have a very specific style of play. They're in the bottom five when it came to total possession with averaging forty three percent. And uh when it came to aerial aerials one, they finished top of the league with averaging around seventeen aerials one. So very physical. They play very narrow, counterattack based and Ivan Tony scoring quite a bit on penalties too. I think last season he finished with 12, and this year he almost doubled with 20. So it's going to be hard to see what they're going to do without him. I'm sure that was him on the motorcycle you heard earlier, so because he's going to have a lot of time to spend on holiday. And um, yeah. this, if he didn't get that ban, this could have been a big summer potentially of him leaving. There's a lot of there's a big market for number nines. You obviously if with the Tottenham deal. With Harry Kane, if he sits, sticks around, obviously United and Chelsea are looking for a striker. Newcastle, maybe, um, depending on how they use Isak and, and Callum Wilson's future, if he's there long term. So it, it makes people really stay away from him and keeps him off for another year. And maybe we'll have to wait until the summer of uh, 2024 for him to maybe move to a bigger club. 
Yeah, David Raya, I also forgot to mention, had That's a great today. season for him as well. I think he had he had to have had the most saves out of any goalkeeper. Yeah, he agreed personal terms with Tottenham today, by the way. Damn, that sucks for him. It surely does. Eric Dyer in front of you and you're agreeing personal terms to go play for Dan Levy. Tough look. Um all right. Speaking of Yep, they're they're right there. Tottenham finished one point above Brentford. Um very, very poor year. Not as bad as Chelsea, but still you could argue I don't know, I was about to say you could argue it could be worse, but where they were towards the middle to end bit when Antonio Conte was still on board, Tottenham were pretty reasonably in, t- in the top four. There wasn't too many talks of them getting kicked out of that. And then the end of the year happened with Conte leaving. They keep the, his side man. Nothing changes. They get rid of him, and then Ryan Mason's there. And by that point, they already lost so many points that they were outside of any European competition. And it seemed like they didn't even want the Conference League, which for a, a club like Tottenham, who ideally shoot for higher competitions and better silverware. They didn't want to even want to travel to Yugoslavia and, and uh, Turkey and Latvia for these games. So I guess it saves them airfare, but they finished eighth prediction wise. Evan had them fifth. So oh, kudos boy. to you. Didn't have them top four. And then uh, Zach and I though had them third, unfortunately. Oh man. Um, we thought it was a good summer for them with Conte after somehow managing to get fourth with them the previous year. So uh, record-wise, though, Zach did the best, 22-16. and 16. I went 21-17. and 17. Evan, on the other hand, 14-24. to 24. Holy uh, fuck! Top scorer, Harry Kane, with 30. Finished second behind only Holland with 36. Son with 10. And then Bentoncourt finishing third, even though he was injured half the year with five. Uh, most assists, Perisic with eight. Kulisevsky with seven, and Sun with six. Biggest signings for Charleston for 58 mil, Romero for 50, and Basuma for 29. Yep. Uh, biggest departures, Steven Bergwijn for 31 mil, Matt Doherty on, on a free to Atletico Madrid, and uh, Tangay and Dombele. I believe he's the club's record transfer transfer uh, fee there when they bought him from Ligue 1. They loaned him out. He's potentially out of the squad. So critical moments to be brief before I pass it on. The rise and fall of Antonio Conte. Massive burnout. Uh, he 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 burns out the brightest of any manager uh, up there with Mourinho. Harry Kane puts 30 goals up still to finish outside of Europe, which is criminal. Uh, the flaws in the defense were really exposed when Harry Kane couldn't produce in certain moments. And even when he did, they, they let him down by giving away bad bad uh given given the ball away in terrible situations as well as Lloris. And the the end of the season with many critical job openings. Obviously the the head coaching role was filled by the Celtic coach. Uh not sure if there's a new director of football in yet. Haven't touched on that early in the year with uh, him having um behind the scenes issues, corruption. And uh, yeah, uh, it seems like the goalkeeper thing is a step in the right direction with Raya after the year he's had. So it's uh, only a matter of a time before the club's culture trickles into him and makes him drop down a bit. Right. Um, okay. For Tottenham, I said it's quite frankly a miracle that Tottenham were even able to finish this high in the table. Uh, as we've stated probably a thousand times on this program, uh, that ultimately comes down to Harry Kane. 
this season was nothing short of shambolic. They ended without a full-time manager, although now they've brought in Ang Postacoglu, or however you say his name, uh, from Celtic now uh, as their new man, but that was kind of like the least of their worries. This squad needs to be picked apart. Their midfield is in need of a new attacking player, in my opinion, uh, because Benson Coors is still out and will be out until January. The defense needs, to put it nicely, a lot of work. They need two solid center backs. They need a keeper. Uh, although that's now been fixed since I wrote this. It looks like they're going to have Raya. Um, Royal or Royal and, and Poro, I think, are probably good enough as wingbacks or fullbacks. But two center backs, good center backs, cost a ton of money. They they cost a lot. And then there's the issue of Kane, who may leave in the summer. It's a lot of things to fix. This season, though, the team was under the helm of Conte for a majority of the time. He disparaged the club in the exit interviews and with the press, saying that Spurs lacked the winning culture, which I suppose is kind of fair, but it was just disappointing to hear. There were a few positives this season outside of Kane's 30-goal tally. Son was disappointing, I thought. Kulu had a rough year. Lloris is finished, which I've been on that block for a long time. Uh, and then they have Levy in the boardroom, and we know he doesn't spend money the way that he should. I still think eighth is all right, but... Based on some more recent finishes, especially when they had Poch, I think the season is is definitely a disappointment. I hesitate to go below a 5 for a season rating, so I'll stick right there. But Tottenham are capable of more of this, or of more than this. Yeah, in terms of my table ranking preseason, I thought very highly. That didn't pan out. Uh, but during the season, I was able to get a good read on them, picking a lot of their wins at home. I think that's where they they made up a lot of their points and why they finished up here. They were hard to beat at home. Like you said, especially with Harry Kane dropping 30 and, and not getting a golden boot is, is crazy. That's just the Holland effect, the city effect in general. Uh, and they gave up 63, which is crazy, giving up that many and still finishing in the top half. But yeah, Harry Kane is is key going forward. Depending on what he does for his future, will uh, determine what happens with this club next season. Yeah, they did what Leeds did in their first season. They scored like sixty, seventy goals and gave up fifty, sixty. So yeah, a lot of problems. No, I I know exactly how the that feels. Uh, moving up to a more positive team that finished in a spot that nobody really predicted out of us specifically. Uh, is Aston Villa in seventh. They secured Conference League, which there were uh, clips coming out of the players on the bus traveling through the crowds of home fans, and they were celebrating just getting in the Conference League, just being in European ball again is special to them. And I think Jacob Ramsey was heard under his breath saying it's only Conference League, and some of the vets were like going at him, like, dude, respect it. Yeah. Like, the fa- the fans are loving it, so you should too. Um Coming from a guy that's never played European ball yet is something special there for him. Um, but prediction-wise, we all thought uh, Evan had them 11th. I had them 10th. Zach, one position off, had them 8th. Um, this was all, mind you, under the idea of Gerard, Steven Gerrard at the helm. Yep. Um, so we've come a long way there. Prediction-wise, this was a rough one. Evan did the best, 19-19. Zach, 14 and 24. And then uh, the second worst out of anything is me. I went 9 and 29 with Aston Villa. So uh, worse than my West Ham last year. So glad my West Ham one was better this year, but now I have a new worst team to think about. Um, 
when it came to top scorers, Ali Watkins with 15. They had a three-way tie for second with Ings, Douglas Louise, and Jacob Ramsey with six, and then Buendia with five. Assists, Ramsey led the team with seven. Louise and Watkins, six. Leon Bailey with four. Biggest signings, Diego Carlos with 31 mil. We didn't see him at all uh, throughout the year. Obviously, he tore his, his Achilles uh, in August, and he made a slight comeback in May. But we so we truly haven't really seen what he can offer to this team. And uh, playing under Una now, who saw him a lot in La Liga, is something good now. Coutinho for 20 mil, that one burned out fast. Uh, Alex Marino came in in January for 13. And then I also put Bubakar Kamara in the middle of the park. He came on a free. Departures, Carney Chukwameka for 18 mil, Matt Target for 17, and Danny Ings for 12. Uh, the three highlights or key moments were the fall of Steven Gerrard and the return of Unai Emery. Uh, Ali Watkins makes his case as being a top forward in the Premier League now. He's done it multiple years now, both with uh, Brentford the one year now at Villa. And then... Um, Oh, they only had two losses in their last 15 matches in the league. So Unai Emery came in, gave the business, gave everybody the business, and uh, a lot of those were 1-0 wins as well. So somebody that's respected now, has a, a big resume, a big, uh, a nice little CV backing him, and now he gets top seven with a club that uh, historically has done well, but in recent decades hasn't been anywhere near this type of success. So... Uh, a positive thing moving forward. And as well as they signed uh, Yuri Tillemans on a four-year deal on a free from Leicester. So we mentioned that last week, and now it came to fruition. Yep. Uh, this was a surprisingly nice season for Villa. They opted to go for a hard reset by sacking CBG in October, and it paid off. He lost six of his first 11 Premier League games, and then the sack came for him. And his replacement was Mr. Good Evening, Unai Emery. Yes, the failed Arsenal manager. This guy came right in and delivered European football to a team who seemed like they may be battling in the relegation scrap heap when Gerard was at the reins. Uh, Villa were 17th when Emery took over and were thrashed 4-0 by Newcastle in his first game, but when they met again in April, Villa won 3-0 at home. The difference was the time Unai spent with the team. He transformed them into a well-oiled and well-drilled team that were able to grind out results against challenging competition week in and week out. Ollie Watkins was their player of the season for me, and their marquee win over Newcastle just a few weeks ago was probably the marker for me in terms of high bars set this season. But all of the props really should go to Emery, who will now manage in European competitions again next season. The stability which he has returned to Aston Villa has overjoyed fans, and I presume that they're quite happy about the project and what they have to look forward to next season. This is an 8 out of 10 for me. Yeah, Villa finished up here. I've been looking at the goals for every team so far, so I'll rattle theirs off. Thirty or 51 goals for, 46 against. Very low in terms of the scoring, so defensively they held strong. Yep. And in terms of the scoring, like you said, Ollie Watkins was their guy. He's gonna be he's gonna need to be their guy going forward here. And uh, I think Unai Emery's got a good set of players and it's great that he was able to come in and get them all to, to play this well for him in his first season joining mid season. Yeah, enough enough credit can't be given to him because it's the same exact team that Stevie G had and there were times where we thought Tyrone Mings was an absolute liability in the back and Emery came in and made him look like a solid Starworth guy in the back a well it looked like a solid england center back option for southgate to consider for the euro qualifiers and 
international friendlies coming up and whatnot just to be selected in the team. And, um, yeah, it's something special for them. Uh, what do you guys, before we move on, what do you think this does for Stevie G's future job op- offerings? Because this was supposed to be the jump point for him to potentially get the Liverpool job when Klopp eventually leaves. This might have been ideally a three-year project, and then maybe when Klopp leaves or falls out, that's when CVG comes in. Do you think that kind of hinders that? Because I think Frank Lampard's been in the same type of situation, but he's had multiple cracks at Chelsea, and it just hasn't come true. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll answer first, and then I'll let Zach go. I, it's a simple answer, no, for me. I, I just don't think that it's going to work out for CVG at Liverpool, uh, just because I think his quality as a manager has been kind of shown. Sure, he did it with Rangers, right? But that's different. That's so much different than the Prem. Um, Aston Villa had enough players in place where he should have been able to come in and do a decent job. And he just didn't. Uh, they gave him, what, like, what do you have, 11 or 12 games uh, at the helm, which is a third of the season. And, For Villa? Yeah. He joined. He joined the second half of last season. Oh, so yeah. So all of this season. Dean Smith. So I think in total he's had maybe a year. Yeah. So and he wasn't able to impress pretty much at all in that time. So I don't think Liverpool will be looking to him uh, as their replacement for, you know, a, such a charismatic and talented manager like Klopp. You know. Yeah. Two. Two of the best Premier League midfielders of all time struggling as managers. It's. I don't know. Yeah, something interesting. Do you think that also backs the notion that even if you're good as a player, it doesn't translate to the coaching side of things? Yeah, you, like I said, you just uh, have two of the best right there, and they both struggled this year. Yeah, because I I thought about it a little bit, and if you're in the mind of those two, like Zach mentioned, the two to best two got two guys to the best to ever do it in their positions, and they play at such a high level, their IQ at that. At the, in the game is so high that maybe they can't relate to somebody that's not at that level. They can't coach it because they see the game differently and it's so easy to them that they kind of struggle to understand why these guys can't get to that same point yeah. in the play. So that's that's one thing to think about. But yeah, it's, it's, it's just so tough because a lot of these top managers didn't really, like Mourinho never played the sport and he's one of the best managers to ever do it. So that just comes down to preparation and understanding how other people think. And you just got to be a good man manager at times to understand how each guy works best. Yep. Uh, moving to another team we really predicted wrong here. Somebody that was in our bad book last season when we both predicted them to be relegated is uh, Brighton. Uh-huh. They finished sixth. Uh, we did respect them a little bit more, though, when it came to predictions this year. They weren't in relegation, but... Evan had them the lowest in 13th, I had them 12th, and Zach had them 11th. So we all thought mid-table, bottom half, which is respectable, uh, those teams being Palace, Chelsea, and Wolves this year. But um, when it came to prediction-wise for weekly picks, Evan did the best, 17 and 21. I went 15 and 23, and Zach 12 and 26. Their top scorer is Alexis McAllister with 10, who officially moved to Liverpool for a nice little release clause deal for 45 mil. So they fill out one of those positions that left. Pascal Gross, underrated man for them this year, nine. And then Matoma, Trossard, and March all had seven when Trossard was there. Most most assists, Gross, eight. March, seven. Matoma and Estupion, five. Biggest signings, Estupion for 18 mil. And CISO for a little over 11. 
and then Levi Caldwell on loan from Chelsea. Uh, departures, Mark Cucurella, uh, if you guys forgot, he was... <laughs> He was signed up to go to Man City, and then Chelsea came in saying, "No, no, no, we'll we take him. Double, we'll take him for double the price for sixty-five mil." We all saw how that turned out. Uh, Basuma for twenty-nine mil, great bit of business because he did absolutely nothing for Tottenham. Um, so free ninety mil there for them, and then Trossard in January left for twenty-four mil, off bad behavior, but still performed well. He went to Arsenal. Yep. Uh, critical moments, they continue their ascension while losing key figures. Uh, great young core led by a new manager in Deserbi who came in with a, his own style to add to Brighton's success. Uh, one of the most enjoyable teams to watch on the field up there with Man City. And then uh, they finish in Europe, shocking everybody. So kudos to, to everybody in charge, the ownership group. The, they're a very analytical-driven team. Um backed in with with sports betting too like those guys know lines and they can read numbers well and it translates to the field and um they're good with managing with their players because there were times after the world cup where they had to renegotiate deals for McAllister and Caicedo they made player friendly deals agreeing like if you guys stick out the rest of the season with us then you guys are allowed to leave in the summer and we'll work with that but just help us with the rest of this year and they did and they were good sports and they contributed the, to their utmost abilities and finished in the best position they've ever finished. So um, I can't. I don't know if I can say it can only go up from here because the next step oh, is top four. Yeah. And um, to get to that point, we've seen even this year with Brighton, they've let games slip. They lost to Forest, I think 3-1. They lost to Everton, that key one that kept them up. They lost 5-1 to Everton. Like, you can't be having multiple... Um, results like that because that those ultimately bite you in the butt. Evan knows with Arsenal, um, <sighs> Newcastle, United early on. There was a point. We'll, t- well, we'll talk about that with United, but there was a certain point in the year where we were talking. Are they in the Champions race? But that died out fast. So you have to be so consistent. And I don't know if they can get to that point. But um, with their club model and selling people on, I don't think they can get there. But this is, if that being said, this is the peak. Yeah. Uh, I think, <coughs> excuse me, it's fair to say that Brighton probably had the most impressive season of all the unexpected teams. We expected City and Liverpool, Arsenal maybe have a shout for, you know, unexpected team of the season, but I still think it's Brighton. This team faced some really strange early season adversity when uh, their beloved coach and mastermind of on-field systems, Graham Potter, <laughs> departed the club to take up the managerial position at Chelsea. Roberto De Zerbi took over for him and led them to European qualification with some of the most stylish and eye-catching football I have ever seen. Uh, with this season, they've become the picture-perfect template of thrifty spending and incredible scouting. Players like Karu Matoma, Purvis Estupinyan, Moises Caicedo, and many others are all young. They're young, they're hungry, and they're immensely talented. Tony Bloom, their owner, made his fortune in gambling. And his algorithmic approach to football and scouting made a massive difference for the Seagulls this season. They ended the year slowly, but collected a shit ton of points from fixtures that you wouldn't have previously given them a chance in. Marquee wins this season included a pair of victories over in an albeit flailing Chelsea, a 3-0 victory over Liverpool in January, a 3-0 victory over Arsenal in May, and a 1-0 over United in the same month. 
This was a real team this year. And while they may lose some players in the summer window, I expect Brighton to still be competitive uh, this upcoming year. I have no doubts that some random player from Ecuador will show up in the team sheet next year and blow all of our minds out of nowhere. This season, for me, full stop is a 9 out of 10. I mean, this was a masterclass. Yeah, they were my favorite team to watch throughout Mm -hmm. the season. Uh, Another thing we didn't mention was they made the semifinal of the FA Cup this year as well. That's right. Uh, I think they should have went to the final, to be honest with you. Also, in a shootout to United, uh, it was tough. Sully March missed a pen. But regardless, yeah, they had the best season in, in my books, uh, like like you mentioned, from, from the unsuspecting ones. Yeah. My re- my prediction record went to show just how uh, unexpected it was. Plus 19 goal difference. Excellent. 72-4. Just everything's looking great there. Deserby. Great managerial signing. I think they got him in from uh, Sassuolo. Yep. He led them to their first European uh, appearance. And he did the same here with Brighton with a very young squad, just like he did over there. So, yep. Love this team. How much game time do you think James Milner is going to get? <laughs> oh, yeah. I almost forgot they got him. Yeah, they got him. Yep. He's, he's going to be a great depth signing for him. For but sure. He He's... You can plug him anywhere on the offense or defense or uh, in the midfield or in the defense. That's and right. I think that's something they're going to need. Yeah. They've, uh, with him, they've also brought in their next forward protege and Joe Pedro from Watford for 34 million pounds, which is a big signing for them. Um, so they have a lot of options up front as well with Evan Ferguson, Joe Pedro and CISO, Welbeck, Undav. Like they have a lot of, a lot of options up there and, Zerbi's a guy. He's very emotional. Wears his emotions on his sleeve, like, or wears his heart. Wears his heart on his sleeve. And if you're not performing, you'll get yanked. So he's not afraid to make those decisions because we've already seen his his success. Uh, we move to the top half of the episode here, or the last half, with Liverpool in fifth. Um, we all had them finishing second. We thought they'd push City. Mind you, Arsenal stepped in and took that spot. They told Liverpool to hold their beer. Um, Liverpool, big drop-off. They finished 22 points behind their, their rivals there in Man City. Um, Evan, record-wise, went 15-23. I went 16-22. Zach, 17-21. and 21. Uh, Top score, Mo Salah, 19. Bobby Firmino, 11. Darwin Nunes, a reoccurring guest on the Fraud Watch panel uh, for Evan with 9. Uh, most assists, solid 12, Trent 9, Robertson 8. Big drop-off here for him in his new role after Trent got pushed into the midfield. Biggest signings, Darwin Nunes for 80 mil, Gakpo 42. Adds to that depth up front. Biggest departures, which we mentioned, especially at the start of the year, Sadio Mane and what he offered, only for 32 mil they got for him. Nico Williams for 20, and uh, Mato- uh, sorry, Minamino for 15. As well as Colt Hero, uh, Divock Origi, left on a free. Um, could have helped a lot in some of these games. Uh, a few critical moments. They finished outside of the Champions League positions for the first time in a while. Shocking defeats to Nottingham Forest, Leeds United, and Bournemouth. Mo Salah, though, still dominates the league with, plus, with double digits in both goals and assists. As well as they may have found a new role for Trent. I don't know if this is going to be... The, the the norm going forward for him or 
if uh, they revert back to what they did at the start of last year. Maybe they just need a bit of rest, but I don't know. I think, I mean, Evan's been a longtime proponent of this, pushing Trenton in the midfield, and um, I don't know. Where do you stand on that? Yeah, um, so we'll go over Liverpool in general. I have uh, some some about Trent as well, but yeah, uh, there were points in this season where it looked like Liverpool could finish outside of the European spots. This was a straight up hangover, if I've ever seen one. The slow start and then the fast paced sprint to the finish once they sobered up were almost like two entirely different seasons. This season, for me, can be marked by one distinguishing managerial change made by one Jurgen Klopp. That being the conversion of much maligned fullback Trent Alexander-Arnold into a defensive midfielder. He essentially played both positions, uh, but was able to get much more involved in the attack while in the midfield without causing as much defensive scramble and liability. Trent registered a ton of assists from that position once he was swapped into there and allowed the monster front three to run riots to close out the season. There was a point where Liverpool had won like seven or eight PL games in a row, and much of the thanks comes to that move that Trent made. Uh, The move paid true dividends, but not enough to gain Champions League football next season. It appears that the major players up top will all remain, but Liverpool are faced with the challenging task of replacing their aged-out midfield. James Milner has gone and McAllister has come in, but there's work to do yet in fixing the situation. Their disappointment at the beginning of the season knocks the rating down heavily for me. I'll give them a 4 out of 10, considering this is the team we thought would be knocking down the door of Manchester City. Yeah, moving Trent was the definitely the biggest thing they, they did. Uh, just hit him struggling on defense, said, you know what, let's move him higher up. Uh, and it worked out. I think uh, losing a, a lot of those guys, a lot of depth options hurt him. And I think that after they got rid of Coutinho a while back, that was their last good uh, attacking mid. And that's why they needed Trent in the midfield. They need more creativity there because I think that's really what they've been lacking and a big reason why they haven't been knocking on the door. Yeah. Yeah, well, now they got McAllister in there and maybe you put Trent in there as well. Again, McAllister is more of a 10 and or an 8 if you want. You got Trent who could be more deep line playmaker and if you want like a standard six to replace Fabinho, that'd be pretty scary going forward, yeah. Yep. All right. Moving on, top four now. Um oh, sorry, before that. Uh Allison in the year he had, do you think he's just taken that next step and shown why potentially or maybe arguably he's the best goalie in the league now? He's not my goat, but people can uh, say he, what they want. You don't have to he doesn't have to be your goat, but after this year, like I don't know, you could argue he's the best. I guess you could argue it, but I think there's other. I think I'd rather have Nick Pope. I, I mean, I'm even happy with Ramsdale, honestly. I I just I don't find him to be that that insane. He's got Van Dyke in front of him. Like it, the job's not as hard. You know what I mean? I thought out of all the years we've seen Van Dyke at Liverpool, this was probably this this was his worst. Quiet. Yeah, that's fair. But I I don't know, I, Zach. How do you feel about Allison? I I really don't like. He never has blown me out of the water. I don't know if he has as many standout moments as other goalkeepers like De Gea or or Pope, but I mean he he's consistent. I'll give him that. And I don't know the amount of clean sheets off the top of my head, but he he's racked up quite a bit over the last uh, few seasons. Fair enough. I think De Gea finished Golden Glove first with like seventeen. Yeah. And then he... Allison was like second. Or yeah. no, no, Allison, uh, Pope. 
maybe Allison is up there. I'm getting it confused, but yeah, overall, I think he's up there. Um, speaking of Pope and Newcastle, they finished fourth. Uh, Prediction-wise, Zach had them 10th. I had them 8th. Evan had them 6th. Yep. So just a little bit away. Evan took a big chance with them 6, which at the time I thought that was pretty crazy, but proved to be right. Uh, top scorers, Cal Wilson with 18, his best ever. Uh, Miguel Almiron with 11. A lot of that coming in the first half of the year before the World Cup. And then uh, Alexander Isak with 10 after he came in. Uh, didn't, he came in January, didn't he? Uh, Isak, yeah. I th- no, yeah, he was a yeah. season sign. Yeah, he was. Yeah, so uh, assists, Trippier with 7, Joe Willock with 6, three players tied with 5. Biggest signings is that man, Isak, for $70 million. Botman, 37, Nick Pope, only 11 and a half. And, and Rye is going for 40. That shows you um, how you can take advantage of other clubs that are desperate. Um, big departures, Chris Wood on loan, Martin Dubrovka on loan, and that man, Lord Voldemort, John Joe Shelby for 6.5 mil to Forrest. Critical moments, top four finish surpasses all expectations. Uh, a smart strategical signings contributed to Eddie Howe's system. Uh, the joint best defense with City, only allowing 33 goals. And they have two great strikers that can challenge in multiple competitions for them. So competing on the European front on Tuesday and Wednesdays, and as well as on the weekend when it comes to league play if they have to travel down the road. So um, I think overall, they're stepping in the right direction. They're going to now show their financial uh, stranglehold on the market potentially and uh, are really going to bolster this team. So we might see the likes of Dan Byrne, Sean Longstaff, Jamal, uh, Jacob Murphy, these guys be completely faded out of the squad and potentially replaced by uh, top European quality like Bruno Grimmer as was last season. Yeah. Uh, Piff Castle United. What a season from Eddie Howe's boys. This was something I was expecting from them this season. Uh, You know, I expected them to perform well, but... I was hopeful when I made those, and I wasn't really expecting them to perform at this clip, per se. This was really, really good. They outdid everyone's original expectations, including me. Um, Eddie Howe took over in 21 after the public investment fund bought them, and the club at that point was garbage. They were winless and mired in the relegation scrap. Now they're back in the Champions League, and it's been 20 years, so that's, you know, that's pretty impressive. Uh, With what we saw this year, there's not really anything that tells us that their upwards trajectory won't grow even steeper. Newcastle have spent some money, sure, Isak, Trippier, Pope, Gimaresh, but it's been money well spent, and that's the difference. All of those players, and some of the players they had prior, all played extremely well this season. Jacob Murphy and Callum Wilson come to mind, thinking about those guys. This team played Arsenal to a stalemate early this season, beat Brentford twice, smoked Spurs 6-1, and even beat Brighton on May 18th to round off their season. This is a legitimate side who came to power in an extremely rough and tumble league this year, and I have extremely high hopes for the Saudi-backed venture moving forward, with word that the transfer kitty is stocked full of coin that's ready to be spent, uh, and this defense, which is paired, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, this defense already paired with a few more players in the midfield and maybe a touch of pizzazz on the wings because they are missing that, Uh, is a recipe for a really good side. Newcastle are one of the two teams that achieved a 10 out of 10 for me this year. Bravo, lads. Yep. Uh, Tied least goals against with 33. 
uh, League Cup final appearance. They almost won that silverware they've been desperately in search of uh, over the past Who won the decade. final back? What's that? Who won that final? League Cup final went to Manchester United. That you was feel dirty uh, taking that away from the city of Newcastle. No, no, it was a good match <laughs> between two sides that deserved to be there. But uh, yeah, least tied least goals against, tied uh, least losses, only five losses. Um, and getting in Champions League uh, football is definitely going to be a big draw for them in terms of signing players. I mean, you know, with the Saudi ownership, they're going to have the money they need uh, for the, with the players they're going to be looking at. So. Excited to see what they do going forward, and uh, excited to see him on uh, playing at night under the lights. Yeah, you might get a uh, Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepa suiting up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, we move on. Top three. Speaking of which, Manchester United third. Um, prediction wise, controversial one here. Uh, Evan had Manchester United predicted ninth. All right. I. We'll Couldn't believe that when I saw that. <laughs> well, it was uh, wrong we'll, anyway, so... We'll, we'll, we'll dig into that later. Uh, I had them sixth, and then Zach had them fourth. So, top four, correct there. Prediction-wise, Zach went 2018, Evan 1919, I went 14 and 24. Top scores, Marcus Rashford, 17. Bruno Fernandez, eight. Martial and Sancho tied third with six. Most assists. Fernandez, Erickson with eight, Rashford five, Casemiro and Sancho with three. Biggest signings, Anthony for 95 mil, Casemiro 70, and Lissandro Martinez with 57. Biggest departures, I put Andreas Pereira for 10 mil, Eric Bailly on loan, as well as some free transfers in Edison Cavani, Paul Pogba, and Cristiano Ronaldo, cutting away the cancer, if you will. Critical moments, top four finish for Ten Hag gives confidence moving forward. Clean house of players unfit for the club and remove the Ronaldo issue, which was a major talking point the first few months of the season. Rashford finds his scoring boots. I think this is his most successful season for Man United with over 30 goals in all comps, as well as uh, they still lack quality depth to change the game off the bench, as we saw in the FA Cup final when they're making the changes of Garnacho and Scott McTominay, where Man City are bringing on Phil Foden and um Kyle Walker so there's levels we already talked about Brighton earlier not being able to crack that top four Man United finished 14 points behind their their rivals in City uh kudos to that to you guys Zach you guys bagged 23 wins out of 38 which only Arsenal and City had more so um Evan what did you think overall uh, like I, you know, like you already mentioned, uh, I had United way down the list of teams this year, and I was proven way wrong. <clears throat> this kind of hurts because I just wasn't bought in to Ten Hag or pretty much any part of the United system. They're in a weird spot with ownership, and it seems like there's players that just didn't belong at United who were still in the side. The personnel stuff changed though. Rashford had a banger of a season, and United brought in Casemiro in the winter. Casemiro was the best signing of the season, probably. Outside of Holland and Kane, I don't think I can name you a player who performed better or more effectively for their team. Casemiro isn't that young, and I doubted his pace and wind in the Premier League, but I was wrong. He was sick for them uh, since he came in, and despite knocks and suspensions, he was just a mega for them. Despite starting slow, United were able to defeat Arsenal, Spurs, City, and Chelsea this season, tallying 75 points total. 
This is a side that still needs work defensively, but the bones are here now. They have youth and have half of an effective midfield. It's just about getting the key guys to perform week in and week out. And I think the guys have bought into Ten Hag finally. So next season should be great for United. And for me, this is a 7 out of 10. I'd be willing to say United are back. Yep. I completely respect that overview. Yep. I think Ten Hag is definitely the guy going forward. Yeah, I agree. The foundation has been set. We're competing for Silverware. One Silverware, one League Cup. Uh, fought for the FA Cup, got to that final. Lost to the best team in the world. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and finished top three. Like Matt, like you said, best in terms of wins. Only, only topped by Arsenal and City, who had immaculate seasons. Um, Casemiro was a great signing. I mean, you could just say we built the team around him this year. Yep. Towards the end, had injuries to Varane and Martinez. It was just the depth that was tested at the end. And they ultimately fought through it. Got Champions League football finally back. Don't have to do the Thursday-Sunday night splits like they've been doing the past few years in Europa League. So the lads can be a bit more fit for those weekend games. Looking forward to the signings in the offseason, seeing uh, the young guys who come back on loan, who stays and uh, who goes back out on loan. Ten Hogs going to have uh, a lot of work to do in terms of getting the squad ready next year, I'm sure. We're going to be sending uh, a lot of money to Ajax once again. Yep. Uh, yeah, you never know. Um, ultimately, I think the number nine was the main issue. I think relying on Rashford heavily, we saw there when he didn't play, the, the creativity up front was dry, and uh, without his pace in behind, it kind of lacked. And the Voutveg course project was brutal to watch. Um, <laughs> he played, played hard for the badge, but never really had the end product. He had the little moment there for himself in the World Cup with Netherlands, but you guys finished with the lowest amount of goals for in the top six with 58, the next closest being Newcastle with 68. So, I mean, another 10 goals there cuts the gap to Arsenal and puts you in conversation maybe to the end of the year for that title push. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a step in the right direction. You got a guy in charge that knows what he wants. He's getting the respect of the club now, and Ultimately, you're in a period now where if you get a new owner, you don't want the same thing to happen as Chelsea's going through now, whoever it may be. Um, you, you don't even know. I don't even know if the Glazers are willingly selling that now. They're I just think hoping. they are. It's Qatar. Yeah, so I don't know. It's well worth over $6 billion, I think the latest bid is. And um, yeah, I mean, whoever, whoever it goes to, you're going to have the financial backing and we know you guys are the biggest club in the world when it comes to marketing and reckon, uh, noted, what's the word? Notoriety. Recognition. Yeah, notoriety and recognition around the world when it comes to knowing brands. So it's not going to be an issue on that front, but figuring out the number nine issue is critical. If you can somehow manage to get Harry Kane to come in, that puts you in conversation to push City. That might be the missing piece. Um, quickly, on the we mentioned Vout Veghorst. Uh, did you guys know that so you guys know what soccer aid is, right? Or no? Yeah. Um, yeah. So Usain Bolt plays in that every year. And it's usually hosted at Old Trafford or Wembley. But Usain Bolt now has as many goals at Old Trafford as Bout Veghorst. Just so you know, because he scored today. You know, yeah. you guys bag on him a lot. But other than <laughs> no, like Martinez and Rashford, I think he played with the most heart out of anyone. Well, he has to play with He has to. That's fine, but that's the only thing positive we can say about him. Yeah. He he lacks 
He was it, only brought in on loan too. Yeah, it's it is it's fair. Uh, he lacks technical skill, but yeah, you know he's a passion merchant. There's no wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, the guy's like eight feet tall. He's not supposed to be a striker. <laughs> He there's... doesn't set the style of play like you know. No, he wasn't no. whipping crosses in all the time. Yeah, no. Juan no, and Luke Shaw like they were building yeah. up down the wings, getting in behind. Like that's not him. And United, they have had the the strange thing is is United have had a ton of success with tall strikers. Berbatov was huge. Um, and Percy well. is big. So Percy was Lukaku one. exactly. And Ibra. those guys scored. Ibra Tata. same thing. But you know that's not that's not what Ten Hag uh you know sort of instilled in this team this year so it's all right you know they tried it it didn't necessarily work but um, i don't even know if he fits the burnley style now i was just gonna say he's gonna no, i know burnley they now. play like yeah those guys totally changed the way they play company has absolutely revamped them so uh we'll see uh okay go ahead matt lead us into arsenal yep top two arsenal second place prediction wise zach had them sixth i had them fifth Evan had them third. Um, was very positive listening back to that episode, prediction-wise. You were the most optimistic uh, I ever heard you about a season. Uh, prediction-wise, though, by week, Evan and Zach both went 25-13. and 13. I went 24-14. and 14. Top scorers, you had four guys with over 10 goals. Martinelli and Odegaard top with 15. Saka, 14. Jesus with 11, even after missing half the year with an injury. Uh, assists, Saka with 11. Trossard, even after his transfer, con- contributed 10 assists. And Xhaka and Odegaard with 7. Busy. Biggest biggest signings, I have Jesus for 52 mils, Zinchenko 35, Trossard for 24. Biggest departures, Guendouzi for 11, Burnt Leno for 3.5 mil, and uh, Pepe, Nicolas Pepe, coming back now from his loan. So it'll be interesting to see if you guys sell him on or not. Go. Critical moments, top of the league for 248 days, four players with double-digit goals. Um, Arteta's project is providing results now. They're slowly climbing, or not slowly, but they're they're climbing up every single year. Uh, the only place now left is to win the league in, in that sense, but <laughs> staying in top four is the highest of priorities. And the last thing I had is just the injury bug caused the title crippling problems down the stretch with those three draws in a row. Um, which ultimately hindered everybody's hopes and took the took the air out of the room, really, and went in City's favor there. I could probably write a book uh, about this season, but I'm not I'm not going to drag on this that much. We bottled the league with draws and losses when it mattered. When City didn't make a mistake, we made multiple. Now City are treble winners, and we left the best Arsenal season in a decade empty-handed, trophy-wise at least. This was such an incredible year to be an Arsenal fan. We led the league for more than 75% of the season. Odegaard balled out. Martinelli came into his own. Saliba emerged as one of the best defenders in the league. And Ramsdale emerged as the potential New England number one. Some of the players weren't up to the standard I expected. Saka being one of them. Still had a good season. Uh, Most of those players still had objectively really solid seasons. But just a couple of moments where I wish things could have gone different. Mikel Arteta has truly emerged as one of the best managers in the league, leading the youngest side in the league by far to a very impressive second-place finish. The low points, as I've said multiple times, were the 2-2 draws against West Ham and Liverpool. The 3-3 against Southampton comes to mind. That's where the season ended, but the rest of it, to be fair, was one big, great high. 
We came from behind in a lot of games, witnessed magic from cult heroes, dealt with injuries as best we could, and did our best until the very end to hold on to the league title while the Norwegian Terminator and his Belgian sidekick ripped it from our hands. I expect Arsenal to be even better next year, and while the bar is high, I'd like to say we are entering that window, that winning window we always talk about. We have to win something now, and it surely won't be the Champions League, but City are going to be extremely hard to beat in anything. Bravo to these lads. It's a 9 out of 10 for me because nobody thought they'd even be second. And I'll take off a point for the bottle. Pretty good analysis. Um, yeah. yeah. Arsenal, just excellent season. Over 80 points. Um, I mean, we'll get to City, but I don't really have anything else to say. You covered it all there. It's just the injuries coming into uh, effect later down the season hurting you Leba. depth getting tested but Arteta was prepared for it with the with the young lads coming in Arsenal's always got in the team mm-hmm. guys understand the culture well love playing for him and they'll they'll definitely feel exactly the same next year and and be just as hungry for the title yeah all the core guys have song new long-term deals to leave Saka Martinelli Reese Nelson, all those guys are locked in for another five or four years, I think. Um, crazy finished with the plus 45 goal difference. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's nuts. I know. Um, well, Evan, what would you say was your favorite moment of this season? Uh, I think the um, the comeback, the Reese Nelson goal against when we won 3 2 against Bournemouth. Yeah. Um, it was so fucking crazy. There was a lot of the the. I think we beat United three one as well. Um, yeah. That was second, a that was a great game, game. It was really really good. I watched that on the golf course while yep. I played a great. Some round. of the best games this season were from Arsenal, definitely. Yeah, and you know some of those were just such a blast to watch. And then there was just a couple of games where I felt the life draining out of me. Both games against City and the FA Cup were so tough to watch. You could just yeah. feel the tides turning, like, oh my god, it's gonna be tight. And then we just we totally blew it. This could be this could have been a one point season. Uh and that the the fucking games in hand that City had the whole time. What a nightmare, man. It was just they held it over our head and, and we crumbled, but yeah, none of the none of the derby wins really like did a ton for me. The Bournemouth win was was a blast, and then Not uh, the two you guys you guys beat Spurs twice, didn't you? Yeah, but like it wasn't it was never really a yeah, we were so hot we were so hot in those times that going into those games I was like yeah we're we're gonna give them a fucking game and we always did so we beat Chelsea twice we beat Tottenham twice beat Newcastle at Newcastle end of the year. Yeah, that was a great one too. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was a lot of just cr- unbelievable goals, a lot of really good moments, and um, I'm, I'm really, I'm not even gonna pretend like you know disappointed that they didn't win the league. Uh, I am a little bit, but I'm, I'm still like totally pleased with the way they played this year. It was such I'm, a blast to watch. Yeah, after the last three years, eighth, eighth, and fifth, this yeah, is it a sucks. massive jump up and. Now it sets your expectations high and, yep. and uh, will make next year worse if you guys drop off now. So, Absolutely. Uh, I guess to be fair, Zach, going back to United, what was your favorite moment of this year for your team? Just seeing the team develop under Ten Hag and realizing that 
we're likely entering a, a new long-term era of success yeah, and cool. him getting silverware in his first season. Yeah, because one of your main issues I asked the beginning of the year and the end of last year, he said, uh, "Was you just weren't? It wasn't a fun team to watch, and you don't no. really." You they never really had like a style them. or a manager who came in and cracked the whip, other than other than Mourinho. Yeah, so but that's I mean, good to hear. His style was more business oriented, which which gets the job done. But it's just seeing Ten Hag come in and wanting to invest a lot of his time in the team and watching all of his interviews and just seeing the passion come through and how much he respects the club. It's I love it. it. He's not a media guy. He's just let me do my job and go home. That's the Dutch. Yep. That's the Dutch for you, man. That's how they all are. Okay. All right. We've been delaying it long enough. Uh, first place, Man City. Three in a row. Uh, as of yesterday, they won the treble. Yep. They won that Champions League final against Inter 1-0. They, they won the FA Cup as well since last time. They beat United uh, um, 2-1. So uh, crazy first time since 1999 when United did it. This is Pep's second treble with uh, both with two clubs. I think he's the first manager to ever do the tr- two, a treble with two teams. The other one being with Barcelona Barca. back 08-09, I think it was, with uh, probably even better team with Messi, Iniesta, and Xavi. So the only be, team that might be better than this one. That's a, that's a great debate there, which treble team is better. Um, I don't know how Puyo and PK would have handled Holland, but um, <laughs> those are those are debates that... You can't really go wrong, and you will never know the right answer. But for this year, um, we all predicted them first, obviously. Uh, Prediction-wise, Evan did the worst, 22-16. and 16. Zach, 25-13. and 13. And I went 28-10. and 10. Obviously, I picked them to win every week, so 28 of those are all wins. Um, surprisingly, they dropped points in 10 games, and they still won by 5 points. Uh, top score, Erling Holland, 36. Phil Foden, 11. And uh, Julian Alvarez, 9. Crazy thing for him, he joined this year, won a World Cup, won a Prem, won an FA Cup, and won a Champions yeah, League. Yeah, it's fucking nuts. Um, I think they said that he's the 10th player ever to win a World Cup and a Champions League in the same season, I think they said. He's got to be the only player ever to do a treble in the World Cup in the same year. Yeah, definitely up there. Uh, assists, De Bruyne, 16. Mars with 10. Holland with 8. Uh, biggest signings, Erling Holland for a listed 60 mil. Controversial there. Might be even more. You don't know with FFP. Hmm. Uh, probably biggest uh, overspend in Calvin Phillips for 49 mil. Uh, and then a Kanji, 17 and a half. Departures, Sterling for 56. Jesus, 52. Zinchenko, 35. Fernandinho on a free, and a Mikel Arteta uh, player that is admired by him is Zhao Cancelo, potentially might go to Arsenal. Mm. Um, I, I can already sense Evan salivating at the thought of that. Yeah. Um, funnily enough, my critical moments, Erling Holland, Pep Guardiola, Kevin De Bruyne, those are their critical moments. Uh, also, a 6-3 win over Man United at Man United. Or no, that was in Etihad. Uh, they won 20, or sorry, 20 of their 38 matches in the league. They scored three or more goals. Uh, and they went on a 16-match unbeaten streak in the season. So, um, 
don't really know how. There's no negatives. There's no. zero negatives. Uh, um, congratulations, boys. You've completed the treble. The Premier League, the FA Cup, and the coveted Champions League, uh, which was wrapped up on Saturday when they defeated Inter Milan with, which, like, how the fuck did Inter Milan make the final? Uh, 1-0. City become just the second Premier League club to complete the treble, with Manchester United being the only other uh, team who can lay claim to that mighty achievement. Sure, the treble may be soaked in blood and oil and countless cheating scandals, but a treble is a treble nonetheless. I won't take anything away from these players. Or Pep. Cheating probably didn't even make them that much better. They signed Holland for $60 million for fuck's sake. Gunduan overperformed all year. They have a good defense. John Stodes can play center mid now, out of nowhere. Uh, they have KDB. Pep's the manager. I mean, what are we talking about? After this year, I don't see how they could keep this roster and not go ahead and win the treble again. It's so deep, it's so perfect, and it is just absolutely unreal that City were able to play as effectively as they did this season, considering all the fixtures they had to play total. This dominance they exhibited has left almost every pundit waffling over the idea of anybody else beating them uh, next season. And with the way they destroyed Arsenal in both fixtures, I don't see how any other team who's hungry to beat them can. It's crazy. I'm sad, but at the same time, mesmerized by how good they were. And I'm dreading next season. They could probably blow their points tally from this season away. That's it. That's all. 10 of 10, even with their falters early on. This is the best team I've ever seen on a pitch. Yep. Um, you mentioned the United earlier versus them. They split games. We beat them at home. They beat us uh, away. Yep. Far. Um. Yeah. Far safe the... in the win. Yeah. That's the best team in the world right there. Don't really have anything else to add. No. Just how much how much of an impact does their clean bill of health for the majority of the year contribute to their success when all teams or else around them suffer significantly? Massively, but they yeah. got great guys off the bench and I think uh they're gonna be playing a bit more next year because they, they might be losing a couple guys from the from the team this year. I think Bernardo Silva yeah. uh, might be going out, uh Gunduan as well. Riyadmar is linked to Saudi. Yeah. Gunduan apparently has been fielding offers as well from them. So yeah, his his contract is up uh, this season. Yeah. But how can you not if you're him, how can you not re-sign with City? Because he's been playing like he he's not young. He's kind of been playing for a long time. He's coming to the tail end of his what? career, I think. Yeah. Yeah, but why would you leave? Why would you leave when they're the most successful team right now? Yeah, but do you, I don't I'm not sure that he wants to continue to play all that much longer. Like, if you're going to be able to just go get a payday and sit on a bench in Dubai, like... Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. You know so, what I mean? I, like, I think... He's already won everything. He just won the treble. Yeah. He just, he's won everything. I think... I've just had one just of the out. best seasons of his life. He just doesn't have a... Secure your, 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 your future. Wealth. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't think he has... I don't think he has a World Cup, right? No. No, no. so that's maybe the one thing that he hasn't won, but... Was he on the... He wasn't on the 2014 Germany team, was he? Uh, no, he was. He yeah, it was, I think. Yeah, there you go. Let me see. Uh, we got to double check the roster here. I'm going to say he was. Nope, he missed it. No? Uh, he missed the go. 2014 World Cup because he was he had a back injury that ruled him out for the entire next year. Shout yeah. out Podolski. Wow. The team. Yes, he was. Um. All right, so let's say he's got an honorary World Cup. Because he would have been in the team. Yeah. Um, 
he's done everything, man. Uh, I think uh, AD or not KDB. Um, Gunawad would absolutely happily walk into the sunset. Like I have, I have no doubts about that. I personally would love to see him continue to play in the prem. I really, really enjoyed watching him this year and last year, honestly. Uh, and I think it'd be a huge loss, honestly, in terms of talent that he brings to the my TV screen week in and week out. But it, like I said, just would not surprise me if he packs his bags and uh, gets fitted for one of those big flowy white things with the red tablecloth hat. Uh, and just just goes to Saudi. Who knows? Yeah, I might get canceled uh, for that. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> since then, Angola Conte's gone there. Um, just pending his medical being confirmed, that might be a struggle for him. Uh, they'll fudge uh, the books over there. They don't give a fuck. Yeah, um, Zach. I asked this to Evan before we start recording. I'll ask you. It's kind of a dumb question. I haven't heard anybody bring it up, but. Do you think the Premier League's turning into a farmer's league with the success of Man City? Uh, not necessarily. There's still other teams in there. Like, I mean, yeah, not but, competing for the title, but like they're building their... But isn't that the definition of a farmer's league? The same team wins every year and nobody else has... Like, come the start of the year, we always think that right, Man City's going to win. Then, yeah. Like... Bundesliga, yeah. Bundesliga, you think Bayern wins every year? They've won nine out of, or no, they've won like eleven in a row. Dortmund fumbled it on the final day. Dortmund should have won it, but this yeah, year they didn't. Talk about a bottle! Holy they, fuck! They saved Tuchel's job at Bayern. Um, PSG, they won nine of the last eleven. Uh, Italy's like one that's been decent of lately, but Juventus has taken like twenty point deduction because the, the the cheating. And uh, that's kind of the same vein with City. Um, yeah, PSG and uh, France as well. Jumping off of that point, still on City, but do you think the FFP things off the field, 100 counts or whatever over the last 10 years or 10-year period, do you think that correlates to this, any type of success this year with what they've brought in in that? Or do you think just what they've done on the field is separate? No, I, I mean, th- it has to play somewhat of a part. But it I don't does. Want to take credit away from... Yeah from like the players i mean they that team was just great to watch the you can't really uh pay money for the the talent that those guys have yep i mean you can but i mean as as like an individual not as a as a team i'm with with zach here i totally agree it definitely has an effect on the business end yes on like watching the sport and enjoying it uh no i i don't think I think City would have been a behemoth this year, regardless of what they've done in the last 10. Um, every single team in the league is cheating somehow. It's like the NFL. Like You go to your team cheats, every single team has been caught cheating. It just is sport. It is the nature of sport. You are trying to get a competitive edge at this level. Yeah. Or if you're not trying to competitive end. edge, you're trying to make more money. It's just it is so overblown with money now. That is what sports are and we are seeing it more and more. I mean, just saw what the Saudis did. They just bought into the tour like this is what it is. They own F1. It's Money is is getting insane, and we're only going to see this sort of financial fair play, or whatever you want to call it. It's it's such bullshit. It's a sham. But uh, we're only going to see all of these 
charges start to flow more and more through all kinds of teams. Teams that are low, teams that are high, teams that are winning, teams that aren't. You're going to keep seeing it because FIFA and their corruptness and UEFA is probably the UEFA's probably the cleanest of them all, but um it's all about money and yep. it's got to go into the right pockets. Hard to punish City because they're bringing in so much viewership and, and uh, interest in the yep. league as well. Yeah, and I mean, what they if they they don't have that interest at their stadium? Yeah, I know it's the empty hat. <laughs> um, what if all that FFP stuff goes away when the right person gets a, a strange plot of land with a, a gigantic in Monaco? You know what I mean? Like we think we know, but we don't know fucking shit. No, no, that's the point of this. You just go out there, <laughs> shoot the shit, and whatever. But... I know, but I mean the uh, mo- like money wise. We truly have zero fucking grasp on any of that shit. We may think we do, but we just—it's so insane. Yeah, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes with the with the these massive massive organizations, and there's so much money, like you mentioned. So, um, I got two more questions, and then we can wrap this up. Yeah. Um, more fun ones, not as serious. Where, what's one position that Man City can improve on this summer in the transfer window? That's a that's a good one. Um, Where do you because you never no team ever comes back with the same starting eleven or rarely do and doesn't have the same sort of success. Making sure they have guys in the midfield that can uh, fill in like. Gundogan and uh, like, do you think De Bruyne now? We saw him have a hamstring issue with the Champions League. He's his minutes have been pretty been dropping off every year. He's in his early thirties. Do you think his role is going to get reduced, and maybe that's where they need to invest? I mean, he was kind of like on his way out with Pep too. You could kind of see that this year. I know he was kind of injured, banged up, but um, Pep didn't give him as much game time in general. So because I don't know where else they improve besides him. If you're center back, two three years down the way, Akanji. Ake Ake or Akanji, I think you can upgrade, but you'd have to buy like Saliba or somebody, you know what I mean? Somebody that's young, somebody that's proven and good already. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I think KDB is a fair shout, but if he performs at that clip, even if he's not getting as much game time, like, do you want to replace him? Because I don't think I would. Nope. Zach. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I guess uh, just making sure they got the depth in the midfield. Yeah. Those guys put in a lot of minutes. You almost don't want to replace any singular player from their actual like starting 11 because of the way that they all played this year. You, the default answer is somebody that's in their second team. You know what I mean? Calvin Phillips, maybe? <laughs> I think, I guess Jude Bellingham would have been the main main guy, but he went to Madrid. Right. He's Is that done yet or not yeah. yet? Oh, it is. Un- Hundred mil plus thirty in add-ons. Yeah. So he's a Real Madrid player now. Pro- probably worth it for Madrid. They got him, Modric, Cruz, uh, Shuameni, Camavinga, Valverde. Their midfields are crazy. Stacked, and two of those guys will be on their way out soon. So uh, Modric and Cruz, I think, signed one-year extensions. They they, they did. Um, last thing before we close. Very 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 early. Top four prediction. Oh. Kind of on the spot. City number one. Yeah, City one for me as well. Can't, 
hard. You can't really pick them below that. Yeah, very early. I mean, they just won the treble. I'm going City 1. Yeah. Arsenal 2. Okay. Uh, United 3. Oh. I think I'm seeing a pattern here. And... Liverpool 4. Okay. So three of the same four from last year. Zach, any difference? Or you agree? Uh... It's it's hard to pick anyone else other than those other than those teams. Newcastle maybe, maybe Newcastle. I really want to say Brighton top four. But I know I, I do too, I but just, there's no way, dude. I just don't know if they're going to be able to hang with Newcastle or Liverpool. You don't there. see Tottenham or Chelsea getting things better? Definitely. No, it'll not. be better. Chelsea top four in the first season. It can be better, but I, I mean. So you agree with Evans top four then? Do yeah. You change the order anyway. Um, I think the United third again. I think United can really fight for that second place spot. Yeah, I agree. Okay. I got but City. Yeah, I, I got I think, those four. I got City one. I got Liverpool two. Um, probably go United three and Arsenal four. I think that would be, right now, as it stands, that would be what I would pick. Thank you for returning Where do you think us Chelsea home. would finish? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. A lot of things have to change. I think I'll Liverpool... give them seventh conference league as the <laughs> I could place them. Liverpool one hundred. I I can guarantee you ninety nine point nine percent. Top four. Nothing's one hundred percent. They finish top two because of the the overhaul in their midfield. They 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 did this year with an over overran midfield with heavy injuries. Guys that need to get gout. Thiago, Fabinho, Henderson, Milner, like Keita left Ox, like. They're bringing in McAllister. They're going to bring in two, yep. at least two more young guys up and coming that have engines that are ready to go. And I think that's going to be keeping them up there. So, And if Trent's in that midfield too, I mean, a full season with that Trent we saw the last 10 weeks is uh, scary. So I think they definitely push City again. And uh, I don't, you never know. City can, can lose. Like if Holland goes down, if De Bruyne goes down, we saw Foden out for a while, but obviously True, we they have the guy. Too many injuries. Maybe Mares, maybe Mares takes the bag, goes to Saudi. They have a big opening there. Um, they have to play Foden and Grealish, and they don't really have the depth there now. But I don't know. That was just a little fun thing. I don't really, know. I can't really say a bottom three pick. We'll get to that come July, but that concludes. Yeah, uh, that would be something. <laughs> How how many how how much would we win the championship by? Do you think if we went down? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think, think it's bold. I think it's bold to assume that you would win <laughs> <laughs> after last season. No, I don't know. Uh, if you guys went, if I think if any of the top six clubs went down, uh, they'd win by at least fifteen to twenty points clear. Well, out of all the the, the normal six, um. The top six, the City, Arsenal, United, Liverpool, Tottenham, Chelsea. Who's most likely to finish bottom half of the table this upcoming year? Mm. I, would, I would have to say Tottenham. I oh, no, it's definitely Tottenham. Tottenham. If Harry Kane leaves? Or a Harry Kane transfer. I'm so high on Arsenal again, they're going to finish 12th, dude. Two I seasons. <laughs> that's, I was, that's what I was going to say. Two years ago, you predicted Tottenham 12th or 10th. I know. And they finished 4th. Well, but I mean, I'm not a doctor. 
I mean, you're you're reading things. Yeah. I don't know. Read something. Yeah. <laughs> night and night. I still can't believe you put that. I listened yeah. back to the old episode. Evan, Evan was deeply offended that you picked Arsenal six. He he wanted to have a word with you, and well, I've never anything said about United ninth. No, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, that was fucking United ninth was egregious, dude. <laughs> that was so bad. Now that I'm thinking about, I think it. they finished out of the top six. Do you think if Ronaldo like stayed the whole season, decades. they would have finished? They there? yeah. Well, I think I think. We gotta talk. I don't. We have to. I'd have to go back and listen to what I had to say about Ronaldo. But you gotta remember how bad that situation was. It was That's really true. bad, and I don't know if it was bad when I made that prediction or not. I don't remember if things had soured. I don't think they had yet. So again, we recorded like, that episode like mid late July. That whole Ronaldo situation is what sold me on Ten Hag. Just how he how he he did he was handled able it great. Yeah, bench him, silence him, and just, until he just a, got out. Yeah, I, I highlighted <laughs> that to one of the best guys in the world. I highlighted the negative points you had to say from that episode about United, which you had the most negative things of any team here for United that I put. Oh, uh, you said I think that this team fucking sucks. <laughs> well, they kind of did. You said that. You said, for example, Maguire is your club captain. That's fair. That's based. Uh, that changed after Casemiro came. <laughs> you said that was Phil, immediately fixed. You said Phil Jones is getting game time previous season, <laughs> which is terrible. Fair. That's based as well. Fred and McTominay being consistent starters. This was before Casemiro signed. Um, Rashford. Casemiro made Fred better. You said Rashford with inconsistent form. He proved you wrong. He there. did. He did for sure, which I was uh, happy the, to see. You brought up the whole Ronaldo saga, so yeah, you were big on that. That affected your your grade, and then uh, you said the defense is a big question mark. Yeah, so at least I had some reasoning, I guess. Yeah. Obviously, when we do this, this is like mid-July, late July. There's still five to six weeks left in the window, so a lot of things can change, and that's what predictions are about. You don't have all the information, because if we wanted to, we could do predictions after the window closes, and with five weeks already gone, we kind of have a biased understanding of the league so it's not the same but it's still fun um whatchamacallit the we do the points thing with the predictions when it comes down to the golf the higher the score the worse it is and this was the worst year i've ever done 86 points evan went 76 so this is contributing the total positions off for each team together uh zach did the best with 74 compared to last year um evan and i did significantly better evan only had 60 and i had 58 so damn i was cooking last year this was a weird year you know a lot of up and downs that that 58 60 year i had west ham 20th and they finished sixth so it wasn't there was nothing that bad but yeah still um so yeah i guess that wraps up we could really drag it on if we wanted to but that's for future episodes um open waters now we're entering um Honestly, we could start opening into the U.S. talk because this Thursday they have the CONCACAF Nations League semifinal against Mexico, so we can talk about that next week. And transfer windows, transfer season, we can open things up there. Yep. Because um, the transfer window officially opens this Wednesday. So, yeah, prime time there. If you guys want, follow us on our socials at Post20Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Follow us on all the platforms you can listen to our beautiful voices and uh debatable or questionable takes and uh on on soundcloud spotify and apple podcasts 
Uh, other than that, do you guys have any closing remarks on the 22-23 Premier League season? No, I wish we didn't throw it, but no. Yeah, Zach? Yeah, uh, very hopeful going forward as a United fan. Yeah. Chelsea, uh, you got nothing to do but look up. They're stuck in a well right now. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, we finished 45 points behind City. So. Hmm. Yeah. All right. What a successful season, guys. It was a, it was a pleasure. Um, and it's all relative. It's all relative, right. We will, uh, I guess, get back together next week to talk about something else because we got to figure out what we're going to talk about. Um, in the meantime, make sure you check us out on social media at Post20Pod. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can find all past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Thank you again for listening. Thanks for sticking with us all season. And we will see you guys next week.